0: I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. How do you want to go? How do you want to go? Been thinking a lot about that during my COVID quarantine. Earlier this month, Char's mom passed away and we went through that and boy, it's just been... Immortality has been an issue. So, how do you want to go? On a lighter note, one of my favorite old secular, not Christian, books is They Went That Away uh, by Malcolm Ford, about 30 years old. I still have my copy. Uh, it, it says it is 175 insightful stories of how the famous and infamous went. And it's just short story after short story of how these famous, famous people throughout history died. Incredibly interesting to look at. How we die says so much about how we lived. And speaking of checking out, Char and I not only survived the quarantine, but when we finally got to go out, uh, we went to check out this big antique store. I don't want to tell you which one, but (laughs) but we went to this big antique store where I got the best reaction ever to saying pretty good for down here. Because as I've told you, I like to say that when I'm out and about. Somebody asked me, how you doing? I just love saying, pretty good for down here, because I love the responses. I just love to see. Well, best reaction ever. The lady who asked how I was doing, I said, oh, pretty good for down here. Just looked at me and then said, oh, are you Canadian? (laughs) She was not happy. She thought I was trashing all of America down here, you know? How you doing? Oh, pretty good for down here, eh? <laughs> and it just took me, it took me a moment to think, wait, oh, and then I, then it was just funny, and I said, no, and I thought, wait, I've never had to explain it before, and I said, uh, no, um, I just mean, you know, as opposed to up there, and she goes, and then laugh. Oh my goodness, we had the best laugh. <laughs> and I just got to say, Canadian, that's so funny. <laughs> well, pretty good for down here. That's kind, of, that's kind of our thing, isn't it? That's our thing. I don't nobody else doing that. Because, and you're going to get to see the scripture behind it today, it's, it is our reminder to not only endure, but thrive in the midst of the mess. That we've all made. Down here. Right. Because it reminds us. To keep our spiritual eyes. Fixed on the one. Who came down here. To lead us home. Up there. And we need to keep our eyes. Fixed on him because. That is a perspective of faith. And that perspective of faith. Brings peace and joy. Even when facing. fear. And pain down here. It is very much, uh, in scripture even, like a woman giving birth. I would add without an epidural because they didn't have those back then. But she endures and even thrives in the midst of the pain, the fear and the pain, and even the embarrassment because she anticipates with confidence what she's bringing forth. Very biblical. I'm going to read you a big old scripture. Let's just listen to God's words from Hebrews starting at chapter 11, verse 1. Where it says, now faith. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. And it will go on to say that that confidence is confirmed by our actions. So what it's saying is faith is confidence confirmed by actions so confident and it is assurance about what we do not see as confirmed by God's word that's where we get to understand the things we just don't see and then with that confidence in his word is confirmed by our actions not earned confirmed and without faith it says it is impossible to please God because and just think about it anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists <laughs> obviously and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. by faith, confidence confirmed by actions. Noah, when uh, warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark save his family. By faith, Abraham made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country i remember this part now it's going to refer to it later like a stranger in a foreign country as did isaac and jacob and by faith even 90 year old sarah was enabled to have to bear children because and here's her faith she considered him faithful and here's the assurance who had made the promise All these people were still living by faith, which is confidence confirmed by actions, when they died. They did not receive the things promised. you are talking about the salvation through the sacrifice of God's Son. They got the things promised them in their lifetime, but not the big thing that was coming. They only saw those things and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers, you know, down here. On earth, you see, and here's where it is people who say such things like us, well, they show that they are looking for a country of their own, a, a better country, a heavenly one up there. Therefore, because that's how their eyes are fixed, therefore, God's not ashamed to be called their God. And every time we say pretty good for down here, we are affirming that by faith confidence confirmed by actions abraham when tested when god tested him offered isaac his son as a sacrifice because abraham reasoned that god could even raise the dead oh how right he was by faith moses chose to be mistreated Along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded uh, disgrace. Moses, we're talking now, regarded uh, disgrace for the sake of Christ, who came 1,480 some years later, as of greater value than the, we'll say, currently available treasures of Egypt, because, and only because, he was looking ahead. To his reward. Which was Christ. Just said. it. In fact it says. He persevered. Because he saw him. Who is invisible. Christ. So he kind of (laughs) cheated. By faith. Confidence confirmed by actions. The people passed through the Red Sea. Which had to be terrifying. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. You know, after the army had marched around them for seven days with nothing. I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets. But it's the same deal with all of them. Who, through faith, confidence confirmed by actions, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained, ultimately, ultimately gained at the time of this writing, what was promised. Being raised with Christ, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword. Say that with me escape the edge of the sword. If it stopped right there, it would be horribly uh, out of balance. Thankfully, it doesn't stop right there. It tells us that faith, faith isn't just that. There were others, okay? There were others who were tortured. Refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection with Christ. Yeah, they were put to death by stoning. They're sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. Read that with me. Killed by the sword. Do you see both of those things? S- escaped the sword, killed by the sword. Yeah, yeah. These were all commended for their faith. Confidence confirmed by actions. Yet none of them received during their time down here what had been promised since God had planned something better, better for us all. So that only together with us would they be made perfect through Christ. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, hinders what hinders our own faithful actions. And the sin, that was the biggest hindrance, and the sin that so easily entangles. Go read their stories, you'll see every story is full of it. The sin is so easily. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. We look backwards, that's a big benefit. They had to look forward and hope that do own come. We know he did. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, confidence confirmed by actions. (laughs) No one did it better. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross without an epidural, scorning its shame, which was nothing compared to bringing forth his children. And after that, and because of that, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Consider him who endured. So that you, I, will not grow weary and lose heart. No, endure hardship. Okay? As discipline. Not punishment. Discipline. Basic training. uh, Like potty training. Because God is treating you as his children. He calls us gods, right? With a little g. We must trust that this is is just what must be done for little gods created in our father's image. This is like our potty training. We just don't get it. Because we don't get what we are yet. For what children are not disciplined by their father? There's an answer to that. Illegitimate ones. Illegitimate ones. And that's what he says. If you are not disciplined, then you are not legitimate. Not true sons and daughters. Unless you're going through it down here. God disciplines us for our good. In order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. But painful. But boy, you're sure glad you got potty trained, right? But you fought it. We all fought it. (laughs) Might be an outlier. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. That's just how it has to work down here. Has to. And we have to trust that it has to. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So let me make myself really clear. I want you to want to go out running toward what would otherwise be your worst fear with with enthusiasm without an epidural for the joy set before you and not just when we die i mean all the little pains that we're afraid to face in life face them run toward them do the stuff that hurts i had the vaccine i had the one shot Everyone else, did you have the vaccine? Yes, I had the vaccine. Which one did you get? I got the one shot. Why did you get the one shot? Did you look it up? I said, I didn't have to look it up. I got the one shot because it's only one shot. It's <laughs> absolutely why. And I did a pretty good job when they gave it to me. Didn't flinch or cry or anything. I've told you about my needle phobia, right? A lot of you know about my needle phobia. It's gotten much better, I must say, much better as I've gotten older. Uh, I, did, I did really good, <laughs> But I still have to tell them that I have this phobia just so they know that when I start acting weird, it's like I want the shot, I'm gonna have the shot, but it's you're gonna watch me fight with myself as you put that needle toward my arm. It's like it'll look weird because it'll be like, stay, just stay, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Come on, just go. Sometimes I'll go, you know, just hold down. <laughs> It's like if I'm helping, I'm a little in control. Anyway, I'm getting much better as, I got old, as I'm as i getting older. But when I was young, it was almost debilitating. You've probably seen a show where someone has, has to face a phobia, right? Like a spider or a snake or a plane ride. And the person knows logically not to be afraid. Their logic's got nothing to do with it. There's some deep-seated subconscious fight or, or flight warning system that is haywire and just off the rails, right? As me and needles. And phobias can usually be traced back to a childhood trauma when these subconscious systems are first forming. And I've mentioned this before, I don't know if you remember, that mine goes back to first grade. There's first grade Bruce. In the gymnasium at Westview grade school, standing in line for this mass immunization. And uh, there's this little girl in front of me who jerked to the side when the nurse gave her the shot. And the needle, did the worst thing possible, broke off in her arm. And there was, you know, two feet away from me. And there was screaming by her and yelling for help by the nurse and then just general panic by everyone Until they carried the little girl screaming out of the gym And then the nurse took a breath Looked at me and said Okay, next <laughs> that, that was the moment Fight or flight, baby I fought pure adrenaline The strength of a third grader From that, from that point on Mostly the strength of a third grader But that's, that's where it all goes back to Eight years later, oh, everything today is embarrassing for me. Eight years later, as a freshman, that's me. <laughs> the most embarrassing part is how good I thought I looked. <laughs> Eight years later, as a freshman, I, I'm going I'm to prove it. I earned the right to tell you that I can relate completely to giving birth without an epidural. Because I woke up 15 years old, and I woke up one day suffering from a serious and seriously embarrassing condition called testicular torsion. It's just somehow, it ties a knot inside, okay? Men's Health magazine ranked pain on a scale of 1 to 10. Number 4 is having your wisdom teeth pulled. Guess what made number 10? The worst pain they could think of, Mm -hmm. testicular torsion. And they give a little uh, advice on each one, how to ease the pain. Number 10, I'm reading. It says, to ease the pain, beg the doctor to knock you out quick. A hammer will do. So then I looked it up on a medical site. It's like, I've never really looked this up before. I get to this medical site, and I read that women who have passed a kidney stone often compare the experience to childbirth. And then I read a gentleman who wrote, I've broken my arm, both collarbones, and had a kidney stone. And without a doubt, he wrote in all caps, (laughs) my testicular torsion was the worst pain. It's honestly hard to put into words. Another testimonial said, The surgeon told me it is far and away more painful than giving birth. Okay, so apparently this happens to 1 in 26,000 under the age of 18. So I guess that's the lottery I won. (laughs) I wish that's all the worse it felt. Apparently there's a 4 to 8 hour window until, believe me, you don't want to know till all things are (laughs) off the table, so to speak. Well, I refused. I was too embarrassed. I refused to reveal my humiliating, intensifying pain all day. So I'm being prepped for emergency surgery. You really don't even need to know how it got from there to there. The pain won. And when I finally admitted it, I was immediately admitted for emergency surgery. They're like, oh, this is something you wait for. So, I'm being prepped for emergency surgery, momentarily alone, totally exposed. You know, worst teenage fears, I thought, until a female nurse walks in (laughs) with the biggest syringe I've ever seen. Filled with painkiller. Also the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen, the needle, not the nurse. I barely noticed her, and I saw that needle, and I knew what was in it, so I ran, not really. I hobbled to her, naked and unashamed, arm outstretched. give me! give me! give me! And she, I'm telling you, she couldn't stab that jabber in fast enough. After that experience, I still have my needle phobia, but in that moment, I can remember so well the peace and joy, not from not from the painkiller, before the painkiller. The peace and joy of watching that needle pierce my skin and sink into my arm. I can still remember that. It's just like put it in. And then and then a piece that passes I understand. Fear pain, naked shame, didn't exist. They, did, they weren't there. It didn't, ex- didn't matter because, trust me, it didn't compare. And I tell you all of that because that shot in that moment of my life is my absolute best experience for helping me to understand what compelled Jesus to come down here in order to go up on that cross. Because its horrific pain didn't compare to the pain of sin and shame and separation that it was taking away. And in that same way, you and I, we need to face the pains that bring relief to ourselves as well as those around us. All the things we don't want to do, but we know we're right. For instance, what action of faith would you take if every fear was boop gone? Every fear gone? Who would you call? What would you admit? What would you do? Because doing that is the definition of faith. It's very strange to find yourself running toward what would otherwise be your greatest fear. Simply because it can't compare to your greatest joy, which, by the way, may not seem anything like happiness. It's like a firefighter or a father rushing into a hellish death trap for the joy of saving someone whose life they fully and firmly believe to be worth the risk, even the death of their own. That's a joy that's nothing like happiness. Like those described in Revelation who overcame the enemy. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Really? Yes. Because we don't like sharing our testimony. But see, here's the thing. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. It's like a soldier dying in in a peace that passes understanding by by knowing as they're dying that he or she has saved others who would have otherwise perished. And that is a joy that only the truly heroic will ever fully know. But we all got to go, right? We all got to go sometime, some way. So how do you want to go? How do you want to go? Because it starts right now. I mean, the, the moment may not happen for decades. But we're all going. So how do you want to go? Shrinking from death or running toward life? Because I want you to want to go running toward what would otherwise be everyone's worst fear. Because <clears throat> when, when it's time for our spirit to depart, we got no say in the matter, Right? Ecclesiastes says no one has power over the spirit to retain the spirit. No one has power in the day of death. There is no release from that war. That's a war. No release from that war. But he has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. Because for the joy Set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Because as a woman with child is in pain and cries out in her pangs when she draws near the time of her delivery, so have we been in your sight, O Lord. See, until you fix your eyes on the perfecter of faith, confidence confirmed by actions you will remain in bondage to the fear and shame of much lesser little mini pains that only threaten to momentarily sting rather than facing the pains that bring relief. Whatever those are, whoever that is, whatever you must do all the way, leading up to, running toward life, where you can ultimately declare when you lay it down, oh death, oh death, where's your victory? Oh death, where's your sting? doesn't exist. Can't compare. See, Jesus was not a victim of the cross. He was a conqueror 780 years before the cross. The Lord threw it down through Hosea saying, oh, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. And then he just throws it down. Oh, death, I will be your plagues. Oh, grave, I will be your destruction. The Lord watched. And you know what he watched? He watched the tree grow from which he knew his cross would be cut. He planted the iron in the ground. From which his nails would be cast. If he had to climb up there and hammer himself in place. He would have found a way. Because it wasn't soldiers or Pharisees or the mob that put him up there. It was his passion for us. he You just have to understand. He made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made by himself, as we were just told, in human likeness. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross, because you were the joy set before him. Because you were, are, and always will be his supreme love. And to the degree that you truly see that you are his. He will be yours. And your confidence will be confirmed by your actions. Because nothing can compare. And it will produce a harvest of righteousness and peace. Which is that that thrilling, fulfilling, daily delight that comes in spite of the pains and shames down here. From knowing in the core of your being just how much you are truly loved by your Creator Father. And so we must be overwhelmed with passion for our Savior and compassion for His children. Imagine a firefighter unwilling to enter a burning building. That's not a firefighter. Imagine a mother unwilling to give birth. That's not a mother. Imagine a child of God, a disciple of Jesus, unwilling to lay down their life as a living sacrifice in order to bring the light of Christ to a dark and dying world. What's that? He's conquered the cross and the grave... Only thing left is our heart. Our choice is between the long term pain of living a lie, which just keeps intensifying, or the short term pain of facing the truth that brings relief. And if ever there was a true and everlasting pain and shame killer, oh, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. So, are you ready? Are you ready to reveal your humiliating pain, whatever it is? Whatever you need to do, whoever you need to talk to? Or you need to suffer some more. Yeah, I've been there, I wouldn't recommend it. You need to just suffer some more as it only intensifies. You see, the great physician is patiently waiting. But why in the world is the patient? Let's pray. Father God, we receive your perfect love on your terms and love you fully in return. Holy Spirit, empower us to face our greatest fears dead on and go out running toward life. Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you for destroying the grave and conquering death. And it's in your name that everybody said, Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.